I've heard that the best amount to aim to grow by week after week is 4%. Period. 4% might not seem like a lot. But over really time, hit the jackpot by most of the world's standards, even though most of you think it's still not enough. What's going to make things magnificent on your terms, not somebody else's terms? But if you're on an awakening journey and you have recognized that those are there, you have taken the most crucial step to get out of that, which is to become aware that it's actually happening. This is your last chance. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And welcome to the Joygasmic Life Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad that you found your way here and you're in for a treat because here we are sharing the top tips, hacks, and tools that our community of conscious women mothers have found to really work to make a difference in how they parent and how they can keep their calm and cool even when their kids are driving them crazy. Each week I interview guests who are bulletproof moms, badass women running their own businesses on the leading edge of consciousness, who are here to support people in getting the skills, knowledge, and tools they need to put into practice what it is to walk their talk and be conscious spiritual women in the world. Our topics range from optimal nutrition to mindset hacks to tantra and everything in between. If there's a topic or an expert you'd like to see interviewed, drop me a line on my Facebook page and I'm happy to see if we can arrange that. Remember, if you love the podcast, there's so much more on our website, bulletproofmoms.com, and we would so appreciate that you subscribe, share our podcast with your friends, and give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you're viewing this as it helps us reach more people. Remember, if we talk too slow, you can always speed us up. I know I love to do that. And without further ado, here is our next guest. Just laugh then. <laughs> so, um, you know, we met on Facebook, and I don't really know that much about you other than you're a transformational coach. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got there, and then what's exciting for you these days? Yeah, oh, no, we don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just laugh then. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, this is very healing if we just record a half an hour of laughter. Because... <laughs> so today's podcast is really original. <laughs> it's just full of laughs. We'll try and talk a little bit in between, but I have this feeling that we're just going to laugh more than anything else. It's laughter. <laughs> 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 well, that's a good start. I tell you, I'm like all pumped up. So, um, so actually, yeah, transformation is part of the result of what people achieve. I like to call myself soulful business coach, but you know, the the label doesn't mean anything really. It's about you know what what I do, and basically, 
how I came here and the journey. It's a long roller coaster journey. And the very short version is that um, <laughs> I have lived a life. Um, I have lived a life that many people tell me, I can't believe this is all you did, that you did all of this in your life, even though I'm 53 years old. But I really have lived, look, like what 10 people live and intense 10 people. So and, and <laughs> I love to say that the, the, the easiest example I have is that I currently have a life partner, Stefano, we're not married and he's amazing. And we've been together for eight years. And my first husband, I married very young and I helped him to understand a lot of hard issues and he, and to, and help him to understand that he's gay. The second husband was abusive and, it's the father of my two children and an amazing story there, you can imagine. And this one is love. So I have in one life had all three experiences. <laughs> and it's like that with every aspect, with health, with, with, you know, with illness of others and mine and healing and non-healing and death and, and suicides and, and, you know, everything, all the colors and... <laughs> I can say that um, that on the personal level and on the professional level, I love studying. Studying, I went all the way to have a master's in business administration. I lived the life of the corporate executive. I got very high and I traveled international and as expat. And then when I finally divorced the father of my children, I said, I really want to be by their side. And that's when I first tapped into being an entrepreneur and that created a real estate company in Tuscany. At the time I was in Tuscany, I'm actually Argentine by birth. And, um, and then uh, I've done that for like 11 years and right now um, I'm closing it. I sold mm -hmm. it last month and this month was all about, you know, going to the accountant and the lawyer and the notary and, you know, and I have launched this soulful business coach um, dream venture really uh this year and yes. it's been in tippy toes at the beginning of the year and the whole year has been about closing the old energy and opening up and setting you know setting the the scenario for next year to say hooray here i come you know so lots happening <laughs> yeah 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 it sounds like you had a like um like you said you had a massive experience of of what life can be and and yeah. i would imagine that would make you really great at giving you know holding space for and giving advice around transition right How yeah yeah well and then of course i didn't mention it but i have been studying for years healing and colors and healing with colors and with sounds and i'm a reconnector practitioner and you know all that stuff as well so yeah. it's, it's like uh, i i think the one thing probably that's quite unique and we're seeing more of this, thankfully for the earth, is that I have two hemispheres that are very well integrated. Like, a, you know, I'm a channeler and, you know, I'm a healer and I've been doing this since I was like 19. And on the other hand, I've been, you know, a director for Southern Europe and Middle East, uh, you know, and so I, I can do both things. And now finally I came out of the closet and I said, yes, this is me. I am a channeler too. And I'm a medium and who cares? You know, but it's mm. taking a while to get there. So, 
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is like that bridge um, for, for quite a while because I've been doing web design for the holistic community and dealing with the very technical side of all the nerdy stuff. And, and so <laughs> for a long time, I saw myself as a bridge, but I've never heard it said as like, the you know your hemispheres are integrated that's a great a great way of putting it right yeah well, but like, it is you know because i have lived divided for so many years yeah you know, it's almost like i was going to the holistic events or meditation retreats and i was only that and then i would come out of that and i would get into the other world and i would keep them separate and that gave me so much suffering and i like to share that because i think many people go through similar experiences. I've, I've had feedback of many people telling me My that goodness. happened to them or yeah. happened to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I've met so many, um, you know, spiritual healer types who are like, if I touch technology, it explodes. If I, if I, you know, that stuff just makes my head like yes. crash in or demonizing like, technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas for me, it's, it's been very, I mean, I'm a, a younger generation, right? I'm in my 30s. Um, but so, so for me, like my first computer, I was five um, because my dad was really nerdy. But yeah, <laughs> thanks, Dad. Um, yeah, but but for me, it's always been this like you know this integration between the two. And when I see you know moving forward, right now we're we're doing lots of work around uh, like the the future of the village, right? So getting back to the earth, back on the land, but also bringing this high technology like LED full spectrum lights, right? Stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so, so that speaks really beautifully to that left brain, right brain piece. Yeah. 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 Wow. I love that vision of what you just said, the village, oh, yeah. coming back to the village. Yeah. You know, I have two boys and my eldest is 19 and one is 16. And it's so funny because what you just said inspired me to share with him later on tonight for sure, because, um, he is in the process of choosing his career and right now he's in the first year of university and it's so weird you know he's 19 and he's been living in this world you've just described and he carries with him such older models in his mind which don't come from me i tell you because like here i am reinventing myself for the fourth time you know in life so, <laughs> like i was telling him the other day it's like you don't have to think in the way in which the old society used to think oh you start a career and this is what you need to do and then you know you do this for the rest of your life and i said you know look at me i'm exhibit a you know it's like i'm launching this new tech business and this is the fourth time i changed my career path since yeah. i was 18 so i love what you just said because it it speaks to the young generations and i think that there's a world that's different and unique and new paths that of that are being born right now new paths mm -hmm. for life of of uh, how do you call it i need to you you, you i love how you said courageous living you know i love that <laughs> term you know yeah. i mean i think courageous living is just going ahead with trust and and initiative and enthusiasm and open to the incredible things that are not yet invented or thought of but that are right there they're coming along every day every day the evolution is so fast right now it's mm -hmm. a fascinating time to be living mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, and I'd love to hear you speak, you know, you said you were in your fifties and you've reinvented yourself four times. Like, what do you feel has allowed you to sort of let go of those old lives and step into a new life? Like what, what is it that makes that, that possible for you? I'm thinking for a second. Um, this, I, I can certainly speak clearly about this last transformation. Um, but if I think about it, yeah, it's been different motivations every time. But the first time, so quickly, going quickly, the first time I was um, an IT major, one of the first ones, information technology in Argentina. And then I discovered I was more of a people person. And that's when I said, um, okay, I'll go for an MBA and use that as a stepping stone to move into more of a commercial or human side. And that led to a completely different professional path, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, um, I can tell you the, the defining moment where I made that crystal clear decision to change that path I remember it, and I think I'll remember it my whole life because it was one rainy day after a very certain two weeks of rain, and I went out running, and I sat in front of the sea, and I started crying, and my whole body was saying, this is not your path, and your path is a different path, and suddenly the new vision went boom. And it came to me. And I was probably 25 at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, and I can remember I was listening to yeah, a like, song. I don't know if you could see them, but like wild goosebumps. Yes. Yes. Because you got it. It's, it's, yeah. it was, I was listening to, to, with a Walkman. You don't know probably what I was. I do know. I do know. I'm not that, I'm not that young. <laughs> but my son has no clue what it is. And I was listening to this Carly Simon song. And it was like, I want to go live in the US. I was in Argentina at the time. I don't have the money. I don't know how I, I, to do this. I will ask for scholarships. The minute I go back to Buenos Aires, I was on vacation in Uruguay. I will request scholarships. And if I get one, then I know that's my path and I'll just go for it. And sure enough, I got one of the 10 scholarships in all of Argentina, a Fulbright scholarship from the U.S. Wow. government. And with that, I came to the U.S. And it was like, you know, the vision came and then life went like, you know, and gave me the path. Yeah. Then, you know, the other transition when I divorced and started the real estate company, that was pain was destroying me, literally. You know, I wanted to be with my kids and it was the profound, profound, profound suffering that made me leap into the abyss. I had no clue what I was going to do. I left a corporate job that was well-paying, that maintained my family. And I went like, whatever, I just cannot do this anymore. So that was a little bit crazy. And... <laughs> Dramatically different, right? Like planned out, changed your career, went to college, like, you know, directed yourself that way. Pure inspiration versus like, oh, God, I'm like, get me out of here. Okay, go that way. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to share the difference. And yeah, this yeah. time around, it's different because this time around has been inspiration, but with a new awareness level. So it's been mm. a choice. It's been... Mm finally I'm clear about what I'm here for, at least from now onwards. I'm sure I'm here also because I created these two lovely men or men to be, but you know, at different times in our lives, our purposes can change and evolve or, you know, uh, now they're older and more independent and I'm being called with such a strong 
calling to do this finally. And it, it's like it brings together my whole life, you know, my corporate experience, the MBA, the entrepreneurship energy, and all of the soulful path and the healing part. And okay, this is where I'm going. But now it's a conscious choice. And I know I'm making a conscious choice. It's not as crazy as it was. So it's interesting to look back and hey, with today's expectation, life expectation, I'm, I'm halfway, halfway there, you know, I still have lots. No, not even, not even a quarter of the way there, like an a 18th of the way there. there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and I, I definitely know, like, in my world, um, I've done a lot of that, like, I can't handle it anymore, I'm doing this. Um, I've done a lot of that kind of transformation. Um, have you have you had, you know, setbacks along the way in either of those transitions? Oh, that, yeah. yeah. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about dealing with those or? Yeah. Um, well, definitely uh, the, the, the hardest part when I followed my heart into starting the entrepreneurship company. So the, the biggest driver was that I could be close to my boys as they were being raised because my ex left the country, went back to the U.S. And so I, I was, you know, the sole breadwinner and carer and I couldn't be in a corporate job traveling 100% of the time. So, you know, that was a big deal. But of course, economically, I started this and the market, boom, crashed. <laughs> <laughs> How old were your boys when you made that decision? Tiny, because um, 11 minus 19 is what? Eight and uh, five. They were okay. very young. Really young, yeah. Yeah. And I tell you that um, they are now, we have such an awesome relationship and it's, you know, I would do that decision twice over even knowing that I had so many hardships economically to get mm. through. Mm. Um, and, oh, super helpful. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, I I can see how they become men of value or meant to be because they're sixteen and nineteen. But they already have values and they are authentic and they are they laugh just like me, you know. <laughs> but no, literally, it's like they love life, and and I think that if I wouldn't have been for them there, um, it would have been different for sure. You know, yeah. um, not that, that I've been perfect because I haven't. And just yesterday we were having a conversation about parenting and no matter how much we try hard, we'll never be good enough, you know, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> my, my point is the vibration of love is there. They know I do my best and that's what you will carry in your life. You know, you know that, but yeah, yeah. So that was one very big hardship, obviously, because that's what life is about. And I was so, you know, breadwinner for them and stuff. And that's clearly tough. But, but it's also, I mean, my gosh, if I look back, I also went into such a depression when I took that decision. And I really, and you write a lot about depression. It's impressive when I read what you write, because... I've been in that dark, dark, dark place more than once. And also a postpartum on the second baby. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, just thinking about it makes me yeah. recall what that space is about. And fear and um, discouragement and, and basically separation and not remembering that we're one. It's like right now where I stand, things are not perfect by any means. 
and I have a strong health issue. I have to have a big surgery in February for my hips. And I, I look back at when I was in those spaces of dark night of the soul. And I think, how could I be there? And not like I don't forgive myself. No, it's like from my perspective right now, from a soul perspective, I feel so joyful inside that it's hard to remember that mm. or to think that I can ever go back to that space. I, I don't think I will. I think the mm. new level of consciousness already has put me in touch with this place where if I get up and I have some anxiety or I feel off and it happens, I immediately realize something's not right. So what's going on? So I immediately go into a different space and I don't let it get to that level. You know, mm -hmm. it's, oh, yeah. it's the awareness that puts you in a different position. So... Yeah, I mean, life is not perfect. Sounds perfect when one tells a story fast like this, but no, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Um, I was wondering, could you talk a little bit about the, the difference in the experience between like one son and the other and having postpartum with one and, and not with the other? Um, you know, I definitely identify as having had postpartum depression after the birth of my son, and I, I really don't know what it would be like to not have that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious. Yeah, well, the first time I didn't have the depression. So the first time was actually the first time. The, there's no time in this podcast to relate to you the experience I had, but in a very, very short two frame, <laughs> since the, the, the delivery was longer than a day um, and I was fasting and it was a, he ended up being born on, you know, by itself, uh, not cesarean, I mean natural, but um, I had an out of body experience while I was delivering him. It was mm -hmm. like an amazing, bizarre experience. What I, it was such a difficult delivery and I felt that I was being a channel for a soul to be born and it's like the information was coming and suddenly I see myself out there and I see the delivery and it was bizarre and, and fantastic. And then this guy comes along and I ask him, who are you? I don't know you. I didn't feel a connection to the baby the minute they put me on the, the baby on me. It's like I didn't remember him. But then um, it was like this discovery and falling in love with him. And it, I just was in love with this baby, you know, <laughs> totally in love with the baby. And um, yeah, my mom used to kid me. She said, you're in love with your son. You know, <laughs> it's like, so yeah. And then thank God I had that experience. The second time around, my other son comes along and it's like the reverse experience. Like he is born, the delivery is more normal. He still has the umbilical cord attached. They put him on me, eyes closed. He comes up and starts like um, breastfeeding, and like yeah. with his eyes closed and the umbilical cord still on. And I'm like, I remember you. I know who you are. It's like, I welcome back. You know, it's like I, I could feel the connection with his soul. And then in less than 10 days, I was in this desperate space and not having the strength to get up and to crying all morning. And oh my God, you know, and thank God there I had this 
amazing OBGYN who saw it coming and she was, he was keeping an eye on me. And the one morning where I felt was really a tipping point and I called my husband at the time and he was at work and he's like, well, just call the doctor. And I was crying. I'm like, I could, I mean, I couldn't even put myself into calling the doctor because I don't know if I was scared or didn't have the energy to go through it or I can't, I mean, I was like at the lowest of lows and if you've been through it, you know, and, and he called the doctor and since the doctor knew, the doctor said, you stop and drop whatever you're doing. I don't care if you're the, with the queen of some country, you come see me. And two hours later, my ex was home and he was, you know, with, with some medicine or something. And, you know, he was there and helping me and containing the situation. But it was um, interesting that it was like the opposite, you know, the delivery was okay and the, and the rest was hard. So... Um, do you relate? I can see you acknowledging you relate mm. to, my, to my postpartum depression um, feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I remember that feeling of like not being able to move, not being able to do anything. You know, I, I was um, like up and down a lot. So I'd be like giggling hysterically, thinking everything was fantastic one day and then like couldn't move. The whole world was going to destroy itself the next day. And um yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, I'm curious about like, you, you spoke with your first son about that experience of being like really in love with him, um, like right off the bat. Did you feel that really in love with your second son or was it a more mellow like, oh, I love you? Like, No, I did. And I think that was like an anchor in that moment of desperation because mostly um, a weird dynamic ensued by which the father... Um, was jealous of the second one on behalf of the first child. And mm. so like they paired against me. And, it, and then I had this level of, of overprotection towards the second boy, even though yeah. I was depressed. And that was good in a way, because it was like, you know, a loving protection. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you helped him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, would, I would imagine that your, your ex-husband was probably a second child, yeah? Something oh boy, like yes. <laughs> yeah, so so it's the it's that projection of you know his own pain of feeling rejected yeah. by his mother. He actually was a, a an identical twin, worse than a second child. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the that love of parent is like literally yeah. like split, and exactly. and it's very challenging to be the parent of twins and to to give the love and support. You know, yeah. we we yeah. say it takes a village, and it takes more than a village for twins and and yeah. for any kid. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Wow. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm just kind of, when you, you spoke about like falling in love with your son and, and there's this feeling and, and when you were talking about that, I sort of had this idea of, you know, as mothers, we fall in love with our children and our children, you know, there's that whole Oedipus complex thing where the child, like the boys are in love with their mothers. And, and I was wondering, or I was thinking about, you know, sometimes I, I speak with people or I work with people around their relationships with their children and, and talking to them about sexuality. And um, I was wondering if you wanted to dive into, into speaking about that because your boys are now in their teens and coming into their, their roles as a man, like, um, how you've yeah. seen that, that dynamic change or how your, your touch interaction has changed with them since when they were like little, little babies, sure. obviously, little boys. Um, so I, I, 
I will preface this thing saying that I think I'm very lucky. <laughs> mm. Because both, both my boys still hug me and tell me, mom, I love you. So I still think this is very cool. But as men, you know, just these manly hugs, not like, you know, childish. But so it's been interesting what you say, because um, we are... Um, a family put together because Stefano and I have been raising my boys and Stefano is not their genetic father and Stefano being my partner and we've had and we still have a very really romantic loving relationship that's why I'm saying I have all three experiences you know we are yeah. friends and we are accomplices and we are <clears throat> we have this uh, this thing where the boys even after dinner we always have big chats they say well we get up so you two can chat about your things you know <laughs> so but Stefano being very much a man's man and even younger than myself and very much he likes sexuality and the woman and you know completely faithful but he's done his life and stuff so he has been very open and and we've had uh, a, a incredible conversations at dinner time about sexuality mm. and about before the first time my eldest son had his first relationship even and giving him advice on how to go about it and then I bought the first box of you know preserve of uh, condoms for him but of course I told Stefano you give it to him and then after the whole event our sons came and our son came and said well so you know who um, thank you, you got me that box, you know, of condoms. And, and I, he said to Stefano, I was surprised that you were so forethinking. And I said, well, actually, I bought it. And he's like, you did? And I'm like, yes. And, and he said to me, it was good that Stefano gave it to me and not you. <laughs> <laughs> so there's still the right level of being prude, you know, with mom. But yeah. enough openness to be comfortable sharing what's going on. And I, I'm actually very proud about this. You know, mm -hmm. It's, uh, I think it's the dream of my life was having this type of relationship in the family. And with the father of my children, I could have never had this. So, mm. you know, the dream came with a different man, but the relationship is the same. There's that kind of love circulating in, around the table, you know, so. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I totally get that. Um, I'm obviously separated from my son's dad. And although our relationship is like better in a way that I would have never imagined, you know, like that leaving of a of abusive situation, like I never even thought that we would speak again at some at some moments. And now it's like we have a more peaceful co-parenting relationship than a lot no, of people. I'm glad to hear that. Mostly yeah. for your son, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and at the same time, like I now have a, a partner in my life who's really beautiful and amazing, and and this feeling of like oh oh like <laughs> there we go, this is what I wanted. I just yeah. needed to you know, and and partially it was letting go of the attachment that it had to be that person, right? I had such a strong yeah. attachment that it had to be this guy because he made the babies with me yes. and the baby with me. And oh my god, that's a huge one. What you yeah. just said. Yeah, yeah. I know for me, it took me years to decide to leave the abusive relationship because I tried in every single way because it had to be him. And, yeah. you know, and then one day I said, well, it's not happening. So let it go. But it's, yeah, you're so right. It's so difficult to reach that level of, okay, detach, <clears throat> from, you know, this outcome. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember there was like such a clear 
it was probably it was such a fascinating experience tell me if uh, if you've like ha if your experience of making that decision was anything like this or i'd love to hear about your experience too but um i would i would go and i would sit and i would meditate i had a favorite spot that i would meditate and i would go and i would sit and i would i would ponder and i'd be like okay like is this relationship good for me should i keep being here is this like you know am i okay like i was like i'm not okay like like but but is it the right thing to leave you know and at that point by the time the that last decision came like we'd already done this six times oh. it was the sixth breakup right but the times before it had been like ah this is too much get me out of here and in that in that moment it was like okay if i make this decision one more time like it's done you know it's it's super done and so i would sit and i would ponder and and i would come to the conclusion that like yes you know i, I wanted a part uh, i wanted i didn't want an alcoholic in my life right like i had quit drinking a couple of years ago because um because of i'd seen what it was doing to my body and i was like i don't want to do this anymore and and i was like okay clearly like the sobriety of my partner is is really important to me like so important to me that i'm i'm not willing to be you know in this relationship anymore and then i would go back and be like i would go back to the house and uh, he would be there with my son and i'd be like oh it doesn't matter i just want to be here with you oh oh and it wouldn't even be fun like we wouldn't even be having fun we wouldn't even be like getting along very well but it would just like like my whole brain would just shut off and and it would not be able to rem even remember the clarity of the decision um that i'd had before and it wasn't until maybe like two weeks of doing this like every day and i was like no when i'm on my own i'm really clear and when i get back together with him i'm not clear and like i can trust my decision and i'm not happy when i'm with him so like it makes sense that I should go with what I think when I'm on my own, you know? Um, yeah. And I, I, I'd love to hear if, if your experience was anything like that. I, I will tell you, but I'd love to, to ponder for a second on what you just told me, which is sure, sure. because I, I was listening to your story with a lot of interest and it getting that how fascinating it is when we make decisions out of our mind only which is what was happening to you and that's why the mind is duality and so yes i want no i don't want yes i want no i don't want and it's not until we bring it back to our hearts that it the heart has no duality and when we mm. find if something goes boom and there is no way that you have doubts about that. But when we are in that, I go here, now I go there. I go here, now I go there. It's, we haven't yet taken it down from the mind. And I can relate to that, even though it, I didn't go into reactive mode, which is what you share. Tell can, me. Can, I, can I add something to that? Sure. Yeah, so um, when you said that, I was like, oh, right, because there literally was a moment where it came back to the heart. You know, we were we were standing um, next to the beach and he was saying something and being like kind of mean and hurtful. And and I was like, ah, like just flipping out. And and what happened is I like I opened my arms up and I was like, OK, you know, like the, the impulse is to like run yeah. away and hide. And I just opened my arms up and I was like, I love this man. And I don't want to be treated like this, you know. I and love the, me more. I, yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't. It wasn't even as. It wasn't even I as can't. far as that. But it was like I deserve to be treated better than this, and I love him. And before that, every time we'd split, it had been this piece of. Um, 
you know, I like, I can't handle this anymore. You're bad. You're, you're not like right. blaming him extensively. And in that moment, it was like, I love you. You're a person, you're suffering. And I deserve to be treated differently than this, you know? And, and that sort of like into the heart, like you said, was, was the moment when I was able to be like, okay, this is done. It's a <laughs> you know, and it came out of the mind and went into, into my heart. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen this a million times, not only in my life, but in other people's lives. And I love this validation of what you just said, because, um, and, and, like, you know, evidently you had this mode. What's your zodiac sign? Are you a fire sign? I'm a Virgo. No, Virgo, like my first sign. But you must have some fire somewhere up there, even the, the ascendant or... My whole soul, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's in fire. <laughs> I've got the, I've got Leo, Leo rising and... Uh, ah, there you go. Or, yeah. Well, Leo rising, you know, we all, you know, Leo rising is Leo in the first house. The first house is how people see you. So we see the fire. We see Leo, you know, yes. you. So clearly I, I got, I got that because I have Leo rising. So I got ah. that sink. You see, <laughs> I was getting the vibration. <laughs> yeah. But, um, to answer your question, um, for me, it was um, so much suffering and such um, an amazing journey. I have to tell you, um, now I can tell you that he was my master in so many ways because I was the top director in a multinational corporation. I had responsibilities. I was negotiating with Arab sheiks and they were saying that I was an amazing woman and these are chauvinistic men. And at home, <laughs> I was like, Oh, please love me. Please, I beg you. It was like, who is this woman? But it was like, you know, from a personal, emotional, I was so broken. And, you know, the professional mm -hmm. side was completely different. It was like two different, I mean, completely crazy stuff, you know. But so I, 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 I could tell. And, you know, the more we went along, the more he was mistreating me and abusing me verbally and stuff. And, and I knew, I knew I had to get out of it, but just like you, I just couldn't let go of the dream, you know, of, yeah. the, of the idyllic family. And I did love him. I did love him too. Well, if, if we have sex with anybody more than like five to 10 times, we love them. That's, we love that's them. how our bodies are wired as women. With right? that person. And babies, babies yeah. yeah. I thought like we were, love them. I thought we were done. I thought I like, but he was there at the delivery and it was like, right? Again, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not easy. And yeah. so for me, the similar thing to you is that I, I would, um, at the time, I no longer do this for a long time now, but I was chanting. I would used to chant. My meditation was chanting. And I would chant for hours and end trying to find the decision, should I divorce or not or separate or whatever word you want to use. And I think for at least more than one year, I did this chanting without making a decision because I, I, could, I was still wavering. I, I was still, even though I didn't act upon it like you did, but I was feeling, yes, I want to. No, I don't want to. Yes, I want to. No, I want. So I, I wasn't acting upon it, but I was feeling the same way. Like mm -hmm. two days I wanted to be separated and the other two I didn't. And so I just didn't do anything about it. And the um, magic about this, I was just sharing this with a friend two days ago, so I have it very fresh, was that then one morning I just knew the information just came. It's like 
something switched, like in life, it always happens that way to me. And I think for everybody, when it's that kind of decision and I just knew I had to let go of this man and fast. And then I was scared about how do I tell him? And the fascinating thing was that this was a Tuesday morning and that evening in the bedroom, he said something mean, like he used to say, and I answered differently. I said something like, oh, you make it so difficult for people to love you or live by your side or something like that. Nothing really, but he played the game of being, um, of being um, offended and he like, grabbed his pillow and he went down to sleep in the living room. And I'm like, great. For the first time in my whole life, I didn't run after him like, please, please, you know. And then the next day, he was so angry that I hadn't gone up after him that he said, I'm going to live in the next room. And he moved to the next room. And the next day, I went to the lawyer and, and I said to the lawyer, how does it work? And she told me it was a feminine lawyer. And, and then I came back home and I told him, listen, I've been to the lawyer. This is how it works. And I'm going to be sending you a letter. So we start the separation. So... It's amazing. It's like the decision like is so powerful that I didn't even have to tell him. It just happened. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So, yeah. but, but before that, I can totally relate because I was feeling just like you say, like, oh yeah, I'm going to tell him. No, no, I'm not going to tell him. No, I'm going to tell him, you know? So yeah. Yeah. It, it does work that way. That mental space versus the heart space. Now, do you have something that you do now that works for you to like bring those decisions back to the yes. heart space? You talk yes, about that? Yes, absolutely. I do meditate, many different types of meditations. I sometimes do visualizations and sometimes do silent meditations. My, my, my uh, secret um, a, a tool is really my morning ritual, which varies. I'm not always the same, but my mornings before I go out into the world are an hour and a half or two where I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. And that includes meditation, journaling, breakfast in silence on my own. It includes a variety of things. I used to include walks in nature, but since I have this problem in my hips, I'm waiting to have the surgery so I can go back walking because right now the pain is very much and I can't walk. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, movement with my body was part of it and it'll be back part of it. But Always for me, meditation, I'm a meditator. I've been meditating since I was 18 and, and there was a vanguard in Argentina when I was 18, 35 years ago, you know, in the military yeah. and stuff. But it's the thing, it does it for me, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's my thing, it's easy and I love that space. And uh, yeah, it, it's non-denominational, but it's still there, that sacred space of contacting mm -hmm. inside. I think it's, mm -hmm. I think for everybody, that is a space we should all know. I mean, I'm biased about that. <laughs> me too, me too. Um, what, what does it feel like? What, well, if you could describe like the sensation of meditation in your body or the experience, like. Boy, it feels everything because at times it feels like my body is like expanding and almost like I'm getting out of the body. Like I don't feel the body anymore. And at times I'm fidgety and I'm not doing it very well. <laughs> and at times I'm emotional because something happens that triggers some emotional and I just let it flow. Um, I, I really, it, this is probably one of the biggest myths that breaking it was powerful for me. So I'm going to share it now. Mm -hmm. 
And it's this myth that everybody used to say that meditation is uh, having no thoughts and a blank mind. And that's so far from the truth. You know, I mean, at times we do that. And maybe in an hour meditation, we manage to be in that space for five minutes, you know, and that's great. But mm -hmm. meditation is not just that. It's just that being in that silent space and being... Um, and that's why I separate and differentiate visualizations from meditations. I have channeled several visualizations, which I share freely. And I also um, sell a product that has a lot of channelings and stuff. And a visualization is when you guide somebody into their trip, into their journey, mind journey or whatever, you know. And it's a beautiful space. And I no normally love to guide people in a visualization and then leave silent space in the middle. And that's where they meditate. You know, it's mm -hmm. like in the visualization to give you a clear understanding, maybe for, I don't know who listens, but for somebody, uh, you know, when you guide people and say, oh, you're walking in the woods and you find a soft spot and you sit under a tree and you're looking out in the horizon and the sun is touching your skin. And, you know, you guide people into all of these sensations in the body and you guide them into sounds and feelings and everything and then you guide them maybe into a question or something and then you just stay silent with some music you leave them for 10 minutes to be in that space that's when they are meditating you know mm. whatever happens to them there and then you bring them down but the first part that was a meditation that was a visualization at least that's the way you know mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. yeah the the use of imagination like the the, the use of imagination actually shuts down the thinking part of the brain because we're imagining, right? Exactly. So then that's helpful. And it also, the, the act of using the imaginative part of the brain also uh, turns off the, the fight or flight reflex because that's a higher function that's it's not an available. Expedient. It's yeah. an expedient we use. Yeah, yeah. So it's but, a hack to get you there faster. Exactly. But also, and, and I love to mention this, for example, like I live in Tuscan in the countryside and going for walks if you go for a walk, what, you don't have to be in Tuscany to do this. You just don't have to do, be in the middle of a city with cars coming by you, know, by you. But if you are anywhere where you can walk in any countryside or silent space and you can be concentrating with your senses as you're doing the walk, that's an active meditation as well. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you can just walk and... And, and focus on the sounds and on the colors and on the plants and just walk and not have a precise, you're not going anywhere necessarily, you know? So I, I think, I mean, we could talk about meditation for, you know, a whole podcast. Just that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think I would love to do that. I think that'd be great to do that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that experience, like walking in nature, I've had moments where like, I'm just, I feel like my world is like this big, right? I'm so caught up in my thoughts. It's all up here. And like, I can't even really, or maybe yeah. you're walking with somebody and talking and you don't even really see the view versus doesn't matter if the view's great and the view's not so great. Right. Versus like sort of opening your eyes differently and even like just looking around, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And one beautiful, easy exercise anybody can do, even if they live in an apartment, and as long as they have like a green plant or whatever, it's this, it's called the microcosm meditation. And if you're walking, it's just like, yeah, it's like 
leaning down and just looking at the tiny part at the earth at the and if you are like in in the grass watching the ants and just going to this microcosm and just looking and you start seeing so many things you never see and you can be there for you know a long time just like noticing more and more in the 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 grass the leaves and the ants and the pebbles and the you know and it's the microcosm meditation i mean there's so so many ways to go at it you know yeah yeah wow it's fantastic, it's fantastic. <laughs> i'm so grateful um it's been it's a really so fun to talk to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's been a really great conversation um i'd love to get you on another podcast um and and to you know delve deeper into meditation and and what that can look like and it'll be my, my pleasure because I, I enjoyed so much this exchange it's like talking to an old friend you know even though we don't know each other that much so yeah yeah it's Fun such a talk. funny experience you know there but but it is a whole an old friend you know I believe that those of us who are here with the calling that we have right now to help awaken and yeah. help answer like we've been through many lifetimes together we've yeah. been through many many journeys and um, it's it is a beautiful homecoming you know to meet somebody like yeah. yourself and, Thank and to you, re- yeah to, to reconnect to that and be like oh okay you know like between calgary and tuscany there's now like yeah. more connection throughout the world right i love that and i love that um for me what's so refreshing about you in this case is this meeting somebody and being on the same wavelength it's like i don't have to explain why I'm telling you what I'm telling you, or even if what I'm saying, maybe I might say something you don't know or you don't understand, but it doesn't matter. There's no judgment. There's just like, oh, okay, tell me more about that. You know, I don't know about that. And you tell me more about that. And, you know, I love that, that vibration. And so I, I actually thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this one today. And I'd love to be with you again. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it would be great. We'll schedule that in. And, and um, you know, if people have specific questions, they want to hear more about what's going on in your world. Maybe we can, we can ask those. And, and if not, I'm sure we can, we can wander through the mysteries Absolutely. of meditation and time. And yeah. You know, if, if uh, just as a gift, since I have, I believe two or three free visualizations, um, either I can give you the links or direct people to that page, whatever you think it's easier. Uh, somebody might be tickled and would like to try it. And, you know, they're there as a gift. So, yeah, yeah. You literally just read my mind. I was going to ask you that question and you answered it before I got a chance to, which is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the, happy to provide links for people to learn more and um i'm excited to hear some of your visualizations uh i do these really uh cool multi-layered tracks for myself and that i share with people as well and um when you were talking about yours i was like oh maybe i'm gonna like leave some of her tracks in with what i'm doing oh good i'd love to be to listen to one of yours too <laughs> yeah yeah we'll that sounds great awesome well i'll um i'll let you go to go about your day and i'm super grateful for the conversation and for the opportunity to you know share about the postpartum depression and uh you know leaving (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really amazing thank you elena yeah thank you so so much much. it's been a pleasure yeah, okay. So let me do this in the past.
and it's been unsuccessful or I've given up. And I felt like I could never change. I can completely change. You follow your breath and you contract those intrinsic muscles. As you follow your breath and you bring that breath all the way up to that pineal gland. And you hold your breath. One of the most valuable concepts that I personally is that in order to reach the level of success, self-confidence, and prosperity that you want, you have to brainwash Yes, brainwash yourself. See, either way it goes, you're going to be brainwashed. But the question is, who's doing the brainwashing? much for being on that journey with me. It's been a work of love to create such a journey and I invite you to come and be part of the tribe, come be part of the experience and get your full access pass so that you can see all of the things that are being created, experience all of the things that are being created. This is literally just a demo and just a toe in the ice of what is available in terms of audio and content that is highly programmable into your subconscious in your highest, highest possibility. And so I thoroughly encourage you, if you are into personal development, if you watch this thing all the way to the end, you're, there's clearly something here for you. And I want to have you as part of the tribe. So I love you. Have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. And I'll see you on the other side in the tribe. Sugar addiction and addiction in general. And she filled Before me with this beautiful today, knowledge and power that I always knew was inside me, but just needed, I think, a little bit of coaxing to come out. I can actually tell that there's been a big shift, and it's not just superficial. It's on a fundamental level. Um, my thought processes are different, and that's such a beautiful gift because I've been working really hard to get rid of of this sugar addiction as I'm sure a lot of people are and you know I lost a ton of weight and then I hit that plateau and there's that one thing that's super hard to beat and thanks to Elena I think I definitely have it this time I'll beat the addiction to sugar I'm on a big mission to end family trauma in this generation and so I'm working with conscious moms to create a powerful change where we can become bulletproof, where we have no triggers, where our children cannot touch us, no matter what they throw at us, so that we can be the kind of moms that we needed and the kind of moms that we want to be for this new generation so that we can end rape, we can end trauma, we can end neglect, we can end sexual shame, we can end consumerism, we can end screen addiction, we can end all of these things by how we choose to parent and how we show up in the world. So I invite you to be here on this journey with me and I'm looking forward to seeing you on the other side so get your name and email in that box and join me on this journey it's going to be an incredible seven days where you are guided every day to understand how to create better habits how to not give up and how to implement the 60 second hack to rewire your brain so that you know that no matter what's happening you'll come back to a loving place fast love you I'll see you on the other side moment and your future but also your perceptions of your past so that you look at your past and your life and you already see all of the places where you have integrated this change and had been previously unaware of it thank you so much for being here today with me and you've done great work today not only for yourself but for our collective consciousness i'll see you here tomorrow have a beautiful beautiful day.